Hey, Stand Up World Podcast, episode 33. How are you? Thanks for coming back. Or if you're coming for the first time, I'm Mike Binder. This is Stand Up World, the podcast that time forgot. The little podcast that could. And the podcast that has no reason for being other than to save mankind. The little things. Okay, so, God, there's some really good stuff. There's some good specials coming out that I really want to, you know, Jim Gaffigan has a really great special on Amazon. I'm trying try to get him on here. And there's Mark Norman has a new special on Netflix. And, God, there's so much stuff coming out. Uh, I have a, one of my best friends in the world forever is on today. We're going to be talking about his very first special, Tim Allen, which I think is really a great special. It's it, People forget it. It's a, it's a really underrated special. I did a, it's really funny because I, I did a piece on it. I wrote a piece on my Substack and on standupworld.com. Standupworld.com. Patrick, you can just lay that word right down there. You got it. There's, Pat, there's Patrick's. Patrick, <laughs> my special needs producer. He's part of the CETA program for young Latin men. He's not even Latin, but he, he just found his way in. He's a special needs meaning he will just find some kind of program to get wedged into show business, right? Something like that. Pretty much, yeah. Summed it up. But this what this has been probably one of the most read articles on standupworld.com and it talks about what a underrated stand-up comic Tim is. And what an underrated special this was. This this is one of the first big stand-up specials on cable. Gallagher had a few. Robert Klein had a few on HBO. But Tim, Tim's was really different. Now, you have to understand, I knew Tim since we were kids. He was he grew up in the same neighborhood I did in Detroit. You know, I, did I ever tell you that, Patrick? I was just going to ask more about it. You know, you guys kind of breezed over it, but how yeah. close were you guys when you grew up? Well, he was five years older than me. So that's a, when you're when you're kids, you know, he was he got he, he five years is a big difference. But he was at Covington Junior High. And by the time he was at Covington, I was gone. He was a year older than my brother. And then when he was at Seahome, I was gone. <clears throat> but. His sister was the grade above me, so I knew his sister, Becky. But when I got into stand-up, he was just getting started after I had been in it for a few years, and Dave Coulier and I became friends with him. So I've been friends with him for so many years. We've been through so much. But when he came out with this special, Men Are Pigs, Show the opening. Show the. I love the opening. He just made this great opening. He just. This is like, 
The summer of 1931 proved that man was far older than had previously been believed. His brilliant theory that Australopithecus was not a direct descendant to modern man led to his groundbreaking conclusion that the possible missing link was in fact Homo habeas. Wait a minute, back up. What is that? That's not the missing link. Uh, uh, uh. Ladies and gentlemen, fasten your seatbelts and lock your garage. All right. The reason I wanted you to play this because you'd think watching this, looking back, that this is probably okay. He came out as the star of Home Improvement and he was a big sitcom star. No, he was an unknown comic. He was a he was a known comic in Michigan, and he had he had done a lot of big radio in LA when he came out and visited in LA few times and he got on Gino Michelini's ABC show and he did the five o'clock funnies, but he was not a big famous guy. He, he was kind of like just a hot road comic in Michigan and Showtime gave him a special and he shot that in Kalamazoo, Kalamazoo, Michigan, which I asked him, you saw in the interview, uh, and which we, where he went to college. And he, you know, I and I would always say to Tim, Tim, you got to move out to L.A. or New York. And he didn't want to. You know, he had been through a lot of tough stuff, as a lot of people know. He had, he had been arrested and he went to he served two years in jail. Did, I don't know if you knew that, but. But he, he, uh, it, it had some, Tim has been through some tough stuff and he, he, he was married and he had just had a baby and he stayed in home in Michigan and he just pounded it out on the road. He was playing clubs and he, he got that act really strong and he was, he, like I say, he was doing a lot of radio stuff. And Showtime gave him a special. And that and he worked so hard on that special. And he came out, you saw, he came out, he was like a star. But he wasn't a star. He acted like a star. He dressed like a star. He set the stage like a star. He lit it like a star. And because of it, Disney gave him his own sitcom. And he knew when he, he had the idea for home improvement. He told it to me. I thought it was the stupidest idea I'd ever heard. There's a guy and he's got a garage, a men, a tool show. It's in his garage. Yeah, I go, it's the dumbest thing I've ever heard, Tim. And he sent me the pilot. I saw the pilot. I said, oh, wow, this is great. <laughs> you know? But so play, play another hit piece of that. 
play that first clip, that I, you know, talking about his, yeah. having the baby. Well, I'm actually real happy I got to bring my baby. I have a new kid. I brought my baby, a six-month-old little bitch from hell. She's with us now. She has a, yeah. Daddy's girl, though. She woke up, woke up this morning, looked at me, and went, ooh, 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 ooh. Yeah, she, she did that. Yeah, she, no, I said, she's good. You know, the worst thing about having a little girl is all the women folks show up, you know. All the house, I got eight hens show up after the birth. Bark, 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 bark. Grandma shows up, that bitch, I hate her. Uh, she's always bringing over stuff no one eats. Hey, try this. What is that, oysters and raisins? What's in that thing? It's from the old country, damn it. Would you save it? What is that stuff? Tomato jello, ever your grandma pick? What is that? Hey, try this. This shit I won't even eat. Try that. I got mad. Next thing I hear her saying is, I'm falling and I can't get up. Right. You know, I just, again, the reason I like that clip, it's, it's a dated reference, but it wasn't at the time. But, he, you know, he just, he came out, he made himself a star. He looked like a star. He, he just, he looked like a young Dick Van Dyke, you know. He just, he presented himself. And it was, it, you know, he just, so he knew how to sell himself. He was, I believe at the time he was even working in the advertising business, you know. And he, he was, he, he's really, he's always been such a intelligent guy, well-read and always thought things through much more than everyone else I knew, you know? And, and, you know, I, I just, I really feel like, like the, the detail he put into that special show this, play this next clip. And I want to talk about the, the impact the special had. That though, my family's horrible. I always pick on my grandma, seven boys, two girls. My mom hated us. Always called us pigs. She did. She always said, you pigs. Men are pigs, right, women? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Just too bad we own everything. <laughs> I'm kidding, I'm kidding. I'm kidding, I'm kidding. Uh, actually, play the next one too. The next one is really good because is really it really became the, his signature kind of grunt all the beat. time. They can't do three things at once. Let your old man try to eat, watch TV, and talk to you. No way, honey. You like that steak? <laughs> you want some more milk? What? Do you <laughs> My mom said the only reason men are alive is for lawn care and vehicle maintenance. That's it. That's it. So nobody, no, at the time, nobody had done that. Nobody had was doing that, uh, noises and that, those kind of facial voices like that. Maybe he, a little while later, Jim Carrey. This was before Jim Carrey was doing it, and it just. Something happened, you know, it was, again, he lived in Michigan, didn't come out here, was on Showtime, which was not, a, at the time, not a big comedy, HBO was the big thing, and this special, pretty soon, it was all in New York and LA, people were doing, <laughs> talking about 
this Tim Allen guy. And he was selling out big places everywhere. And, you know, you know, he could have gotten a sitcom anywhere, you know, and he just. That's what I love about this guy. You know, he's just stuck, stuck to his ground. He's always has. And if you think about his trajectory from home improvement and then he did it, uh, the Santa Claus franchise, the Toy Story franchise, then he does his, a second his sitcom which is a major hit they take it off the air for political reasons but it refuses to go off the air they put it on a sec it goes on fox and it stays a hit i think that one lasted 10 years i mean you know he, he does galaxy quest which is one of the best science fiction comedies of all time he's just truly one of the most underrated guys in the history of comedy you know and 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 just keeps on going, you know, and, and now he's just back. He, he took a long time off stand up and now he's back and he's doing it and he's selling out big theaters. You know, for a long time, he only played Vegas, but now he's out there doing concert halls all around the country and he's selling out like crazy. Like it's it's really amazing, you know. But I really think it all goes back to this special, his first one. And then he did a second one not long after in, in Ann Arbor. But he's here today and we're going to talk about this special. Tim Allen. How are you, Tim? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I hate you so much. I, I'm, I was, I'm good. So it's all, all right. Good. All right. Good, man. So, you know. We were just talking about your special, how much, how great that special was, Men Are Pigs. And especially, I just showed Patrick, he had never seen the opening. That I love that opening. Who who did that opening? Who who did the animation and all that? Who, where'd you that get was, that? That um, was uh, Jeff Nelson, a buddy of mine that was a, a producer friend. I designed it and then he did it. And I said, this is one of those weird deals from going to, uh, you know, it was a design school. That was one of my majors besides philosophy. So I, I, I matched my tie to the background. I really yeah. did a lot of, there's a lot of work in lighting. I really like production, that part of it. And for a young comic to put, get, put it on there, just the background and everything. We did, that, that's a lot of work for a, a freaking comedy special. It, not only that, even then, back then, you can see your, your kind of uh, homage to, to Lichtenstein. Right, 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 right. You know, you you the 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 attention to detail in that special was really Where's evident, it? right there. Yeah, yep. Look at that, and and I, at at your house and everywhere. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I appreciate noticing it isn't. I do it nowadays for my concerts. I have a background to match. <laughs> sounds weird. I just like to put on a show. I remember that from years ago at the Comedy Castle. I wore a suit. Because it's out of respect for the audience, and I remember Janine Garofalo said, "What kind of a statement are you making?" And she was being sweet about it. I love her, that woman. And she and I said, well, "She was in the goth thing at that time." It was I, well, wearing all black is making the statement. You, naked is the statement. Putting on clothes is a statement. You can't. It just depends. I just did it because I remember the guys from Norm Crosby, Dangerfield. They all just wore suits naturally on stage. I, it, that was you know, only reason, but it was mostly to put on a show. I don't care one way or another about clothes. Generally, I'd wear 
jeans and a t-shirt, which I'm in right now. All the, but for a show, I really do like putting on a, a production and a respect for the audience. You know. you know, my buddy, Sam Raimi, you know, Sam, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Sam, he, he, every time he directs, he wears a jacket and a tie, you know, and, <laughs> and it was like, it would like be like, Sam, you're, it, you're, it's so hot and it's such a long day. Why do you do that? He said, you know, it's just kind of respect for the actors and for the yeah. tradition of filmmaking, you know, and it was so funny though. He's one of the few guys in modern guys, but I, I understand that for you. I mean, and I, I like the way you look on stage. You, you do, you take it serious and, but getting back to that special, I, I've, I, I never, I, people don't really realize what that special did. I mean, you were, and I gave you a hard time. You were a guy who in Michigan, we grew up in the same area in the same neighborhood. And I went out to LA and everybody went to New York or LA and you just stayed in Michigan. And I'd say, you'd come out to LA for like a couple of weeks. And I'd go, Tim, you ain't going to make it. You got to <laughs> come out. You got to come out to LA, Tim. You're, yeah. you're, screwing, you're screwing it up. And you just said, nah, you're going to do your thing. And you did it. You shot this thing in Kalamazoo. And you guys got it on Showtime. And really, in the early days, too. Yeah, you know, it was. Showtime. It was the, I, I'm going to give it the, the, the one, two. I've really always viewed myself in two the, the due divisions of stand-up with this. I was a road comedian, not a uh, audition comedian. Whatever it was in L.A., all they, all they ever wanted, I remember Macaulay from The Tonight Show, all they ever wanted was, give me your best three or four minutes. And I'm, I'm, I'm on the road all the time doing middle to 35 to headliner at that time, doing 55 to 60. It was really tough getting six minutes out of there. So it's two different genres. And I come back and forth to LA and fail. I mean, I would get on stage and Macaulay would show up. He goes, you can't do stuff about your scrotum. And I go, well, that was in the middle of the act. You you were supposed to be there at eight o'clock and see my first thing was for you. And he never showed up at the right time. And then I would, did the Ice House in Pasadena and uh, Gino Michelini taped it for the five o'clock funnies. And it's like a pop music thing. No one remembered me, but they remembered, who's the guy that talks about lawnmowers and grunts? And instead of five o'clock findings having eight, you know, eight, 80 people call, they had like thousands of people call. Who was that guy at the five o'clock findings that grunted? And then I started getting people noticed me. And once you start getting noticed, there's a hook. Then they remember your act. It's like uh, last night where my kid and I were just laughing at Gaffigan's Hot Pockets. I st I'm still mimicking that bit. And that maybe I mean, Jim's terrific on every account, that particular thing, hot pockets, it, it gave some momentum in me. It was that grunting Michelini put me on the air. And then I started selling out bigger venues and bigger venues. The, it got into that thing. And then Showtime came up with a, want to do a special. I don't remember the exact moment that that happened. However, what you said, it was like the first streaming thing. It kicked, but it put Showtime comedy on the map. It put Showtime on the map. They, the owners of Showtime were really generous with uh, their compliments. Not so much their money. They, 
It just was a big deal. We did two in a row. We did one there and one in Ann Arbor called uh, Rewires America. And I, I, but I, I, but I would say the other thing that was interesting about you that people don't really know. First, first of all, you you were one of the first guys, if not the first guy of our era, that made it without being an LA New York guy. Yeah, just, yeah. Just a just a you know like like a. John Cougar or Bob Seeger, who just kind of came out from the middle of America, just doing his own thing. There afterwards, there were many comics that just made it from the road, like get like Foxworthy and Gal Gaffigan right. and many many others. You know, but it you was were the a, first. It definitely was a uh, a different thing. And of all things, uh, Seeger saw me a couple times, and we became friends and. He gave me rock and roll advice. He just put butts in the seats and you own it. And that's, I remember that. He always go, he, he, he say, go back instead of every six months, book yourself if possible, come back much quicker and see if the people come back to see you because the club will like that and not like that at the same time and always do morning radio. And I was a big partier then, been sober for a long time, but I wasn't then. And getting up at 545, I've, I've been out till 5.45 many nights. Up at 5.45 was a new thing. I did listen to Seeger. I did morning radio. And you eventually get those guys pushed it. And morning radio was a big deal. I still think it's a big deal. And I eventually got where I'd go back to the punchlines, which was a, a chain, really. And I, I would be able to fill it up. And then, then you kind of own it when you, you can fill up for, uh, at least Friday and Saturday nights. And they said, on the road, that's all it is. L.A., you never know what you're doing. You're in there doing six minute bits or three minute bits because they want to put you as a special in comedy. And that, when I did it, I, the timing, you know, lucky timing, good timing, whatever it is. Roseanne was doing, Cosby had, had kicked ass. All of a sudden it was comedians they were looking at. So they wanted to see you in, you know, the improv, which, which I, that stage, I never liked that room, too much light and it just weird. And that's where they wanted to see me. And that was where, by that time, it was too late because they said I'd already been, I'm already selling out big venues. I'm already on Showtime's list. And, you know, cable wasn't that big. And that's when Disney saw the Showtime special at a Disney retreat. And Katzenberg and Eisner came to the improv. And I, I wasn't really working the improv, but I, they, they gave me a 20-minute a, a set. It didn't do very well, but they didn't care. They said, we saw the Showtime special, the one you're talking about, Mentor Pigs. It really was a good thing. I thought about that, talking too much, that is, at that time of my life, I was rebelling against, my experience has always been, I've been bossed around by women, bosses, women, my mom, my aunts, my grandmas. I turned in college, I used to go to feminist classes to meet women. I clearly met women like that were more like me that liked other women in feminism. <laughs> and I wish there was a class called a masculinism. And that's what I turned into in college prior to all this, what I wrote about that. I always felt men were undervalued the working kind of guy, plumbers, electricians, all that's it's come to be my life. I'm not talking about corporate executives and, you know, colonels in the army. I'm saying that men get pushed around a lot. And really don't complain about it. As I've always said, if it's a if it's a, a cruddy job, men will do it. And all growing up, we had to do all the cruddy work 
and listened to very, very powerful women tell at that point, seven boys what to do. And so I grew up very different point of view, respect, mostly afraid of women because what they're capable of. And that's where my whole act was, you know, poking that big bear that you won't, you don't realize how much power you got. And I said this to women, they don't, they, I, that's my act anyway. I'm sure you can have two sides to every story. Well, what was interesting, and this is what I was going to say, why I thought the show, the, that special became so popular all around the country. It went from Detroit to New York and bounced to over all the executives in L.A. were talking about it. Men are pigs. Men, and, it, and it's, of course, the world is in a different phase now. But all it was the first one where kind of like we're saying we're talking about men teasing men but by the same time saying like all the shit that men deal with and it was the first kind of it was kind of freeing for men to hear somebody on stage talk saying all that stuff and talking about it's okay just to be a man you yeah, know that's what it i looked at it when i was back then it was instead of talking down to women how i felt is the first time i'm talking up to them I, like my grandma was, and my mom, very powerful women. And it was very rare to stand up to them. You In your head, you were, you just did what they told you to do. And eventually towards the, my relationship with those two women changed where I became not a subordinate, but a friend of my mom and my grandma and would listen to their, the way they tell you what to do sounds like they're demeaning you. And that's just, the, that's their frustration. The way women talk about, especially stuff they don't, have a like a, sometimes a blind spot and my mom had a blind spot for mechanical stuff and she'd make demean the work because I maybe made her feel demeaned because she didn't understand so she'd force us to do that and make us feel like little servants because you do stuff like this I'll do the important stuff like raise you and feed you and all that and it, it at one point you, you know I really adored the the mentors that I had as men that were kind to women respectful to women and afraid of women, but they were men and they weren't afraid. And, and I good God knows this is these days, that opening line in that thing, I laugh at, cause it reminds me of watching Blazing Saddles. We said, I said, you know, men are pigs, right women? And they go, here, come on, men are pigs. Oh, well, my mom called us little pigs. And men are pigs, right everybody? They go, yeah, it's just too bad we own everything, huh? And it was this, yeah. it was this, that's the smart ass in me that is angry at how minuscule or diminished I felt in a big family of boys that was ruled properly and firmly by strong women because the men had either passed or moved on or whatever. And it was always my, I've told this to anybody, I've, I've really only had women bosses in LA. Between ABC was women bosses when I was there, uh, Disney, Fox, and I don't find women bosses as corporate identities any different than men, except they're much, they use their words better. You know, they don't call people, you know, I remember one of the executives at Fox just called the men at the meeting, just, they weren't their higher selves in that meeting. And I went, wow, what a, what a great <laughs> way to, what, what a great way to say a bunch of assholes or pricks instead it was, and women have, the women in my life, have an ability to be kind 
and firm at the same time. Much to be learned by that. On the other hand, I've had on the, you know, when I was growing up, it was, it was brutal what we were called as boys. And I always reacted to it. We're not that bad. All of us aren't abusive and horrible men. And they're it's just not like that. There's a lot of real men out there that, and there, I, both, there's a lot of real men I know in my life that two of my best friends don't like football and can't fix anything. You know, so there, it's, it, it's always, and then we did a show for History Channel with April Wilkerson. She was the builder. And this is the, one of the finest builders and fixers I've ever met. And a, a very interesting female at the same time. It's really funny because I, I'm lucky that I have this this different view of you than most people have because I I remember you. I was a little kid. You were the first person I've ever, ever knew that had a driver's license, had a car in our neighborhood. I remember thinking, because you were, I think you're five years older than me or something like that. And when you're a little kid, that's such a big difference. And I remember you had a, you got your driver's license and you had a car. And I remember thinking, Tim can drive. Tim did. <laughs> Tim can drive, man. And, and you and all your friends, Rob Cowan, you had cars and we were on our bikes driving down the street. And you guys would drive. And I remember you, you would work on those cars. And, and I remember thinking, these guys are so cool and so old. But I remember you were, Old. you were, yeah, because you were, you were 16. We were 11. And I remember thinking you were, you were a real guy, man. You were a real car guy, even back then. And I, I, I it was probably your parents' car, you know, yeah. but that was, that was my first memory of you. You were, uh, you know, Becky Dick's older sister, you know, and uh, older brother. You weren't, yeah, that's right. You were her older sister at the time. That was before. But at the time, yeah, I changed. I really, yeah. I really went. I went through some remarkable changes. Then you really did. And by yeah. the way, you've handled had your transition. I had ovaries well. then. Yeah, I had a set of. I had a set of ovaries, boy. I'll tell you what. You're warming a pack on your on your a fanny yeah. pack, actually. I had. I had one ovary under my arm. I had that for a while. <laughs> no, I. But uh, and uh, I don't. Did you go to Bloomfield Village? Uh, or you were past that by that point? I had uh, moved to, from Denver. I went to a school in Denver. My old man, my old man was killed in a car wreck. And we moved back right. to my mom's family in, uh, outside of Detroit. Well, yeah. And so you, so you started by then at Seahome is where you first. No, at uh, Covington, a uh, junior high. Oh, Covington. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. That's where everybody right. thought I was retarded because in Colorado, you wear white socks with Converse. That's the cool thing in Colorado. In in Michigan, they thought I had a mental problem because I wore white socks, and that that was enough to judge me and treat me poorly for quite a yeah. while at Covington. My mom would not let us wear um, black socks. Wow. Yeah. That's yeah. I remember people at Covington would judge people very harshly for their socks. It was it was a problem. Like I'll be it's, judged because I said the word retarded. I'm sure it's it's a different word. Felt mentally challenged. No, you're no, right. you're not with you. You're retarded. There, there's no challenge about <laughs> it. <laughs> you're full on retarded. Full on retarded. With, with with ovaries. Yes. But um, but no, man. I have to say, I, I just I, every time you know, because I I've been dealing so much these last couple of years, looking at all the specials 
you know, from Pryor's special to all the, uh, the early Carlin specials. And I just think Men Are Pigs is such an underrated special and such a great special. And who directed it? Ellen Brown directed it, right? I thought it was a shorter name, but it could have been Ellen Brown. She's a short. What's funny when you mentioned that in the professional world, I just thought about this yesterday watching golf and tennis and I, I like women's basketball. They play differently. I don't, they don't look at them as the gender when I, they're athletes and same with girls that like going fast in cars. There's a couple of girls in the small town that are really good with uh, Ferraris and stuff. And I never, I never, treat them any differently it's one of those things and ellen brown i think you're right that comes yeah, to mind it was ellen so brown it, but, but it was so, that whole special it was just i i just think that and plus how many people loved it at the time everybody was doing that <clears throat> i know and it would they end up making a tv show home improvement out of it that it, the the grunting and also it was so well prepared uh, Ellen, she just, Helen, she did a, such a great job of segmenting and working with me. And I, I know how to get things going. And it was only 38 minutes, I think. And I had, I did like an hour and a half and we were to clip it because I knew exactly when to stop because I knew when she was going to edit it. Very important to me in comedy specials. You, you, it, it, you know, you cut to the audience and you cut back and you're in the middle of the next bit. And I was able to time it for her. I'll get out of that whole thing about that was in a kind of inappropriate. Just what it's just kind of dirty material that I, you know, when it wasn't wasn't thought provoking at all, as if the rest of it was. And we did we timed that. It looked like it was a piece. And I saved the second segment for the second one we did, which is Rewires America, which we shot in Ann Arbor. Why did you shoot this one in Kalamazoo, Michigan? Is That's that where I went to uh, college, college, right? Yeah, I went okay. to college there. Yeah, and also I saw Leno there. Met Leno, got an autograph from him. He he performed at that same th beautiful theater there. But you reminded me, I saw Carlin live and a life-changing experience. I saw, it wasn't even live. This first, the first time I saw Pryor, it was the the sunset. And he wore the, I think the red outfit. I can't yeah. remember. Yeah. And he was, it was prior to him, um, prior to him getting burnt. And it was a movie but they premiered, it was like a premiere and the Fox Theater packed. I don't think I've ever had a life-changing experience. I saw Jay Giles band at the Cinderella Ballroom in Detroit, turned into the, the platinum record Full House. And I was the concert promoter for my university, which at that time was Central. And I got Jay Giles band after watching him in that show. So that was life-changing to see a live band that you finished and there's like dead people in the audience. They 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 dance so much. That's the experience I fold into that experience with uh, prior. I, I was sick to my stomach. I was laughing so hard. I actually put my hand up a couple times, you know, as though the guy in the movie could go, oh, I got the little little light skinned fella down there having trouble. That was life changing. I said, if I could ever do anything like that to a crowd and a movie, he wasn't even there. It was the, that live sun sunset. It was life changing. And well, I've I'll modeled. tell you, man, I will tell you, it, which which is really was really cool. You know, my son, Bert, who's 29, he watched you do about 45 minutes to an hour not long ago, which was really interesting because he, he's known you his whole life, grew up mm -hmm. with you as, as a, just a friend of his dad's, a 
been to your house a hundred times, but never really saw you as a comedian, you know? And he, he sat there and he was laughing so hard. He was laughing so hard. And when we left, it was like, he, he was like, dad, I, I just, he got it so much. You know, you're talking about your grandmother and your, you know, your mother. And, and it was like, he just was so happy. And he was same thing. He was like, man, I just wanted to let him know while he was on stage, how hard yeah. I was laughing, you know? And, and um, it was really great to see a young guy get all your comedy so hey, much. And, you, and you told me this story and you have no idea what that meant to me. Cause I generally don't, I, I, I was raised by a mom who called everything fake praise. Says, you don't need to have people tell you did a good job. You know, and if you did a good job, you know, you don't need people telling you because half the time it's, hey, like in good golf, good golf shot. I golf with some guys. I go, it wasn't good. It was in the weeds. Well, you tried. I go, eventually I, did, I don't like when people say good shot. My assistant for many, many years still with me has never seen my show, did the did what your son did. She came up, there was girls' night. I said, why don't you guys, she goes, they all want to come see you at a rehearsal, which I do at the Laugh Factory before I go on the road. And she came in and at uh, Greenblast at the time, went upstairs after the show, and she just looked at me, and she looked like she had a fever. I said, what's the matter? She goes, I, I, I had no idea you had this skill set. Yeah. I, mean, she, she, I said, well, how do you think you get paid? No, none of the staff that have, a lot of my staff have never seen any of the stand-up. And she it had that same thing that your son did. And it meant the world to me that your boy said it and that it, it resonated with him. You know, and, and, and now you're going out, you're like playing like big theaters and really like a lot, because you didn't for a long time, did you? You played no, Vegas. I, 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 once it got to, a, it, when it got to, nine to ten thousand theaters it's not it's it's a it's a payday it's not very pleasurable i can't get any role audience you know you get 200 to 300 in the clubs you can kick ass and there's sweat and people laughing so hard you get as many the biggest i can do now you know it's all about sales is about 5300 which i think denver is that said, the balconies, it's five balconies and they're all aimed towards you. So it's there, there's still, that's about as big as I like to do. To get the big arenas, I stopped the big arenas at, at right in the middle of home improvement for a variety of reasons, not the least of which I, I swear a lot. I don't, I don't talk about debauchery. Disney was really weirded out because I'd go on the road and I'd have to stay in the trailer this is for 18 year old and above i don't want i don't want to explain any of these jokes to kids and i did the first show i did was in san francisco at, in home improvement and the whole audience was kids i was up there going i had to change fuck to frick and shit to shoot and when sometimes when you have sexual relations with another person it was horrible and then i had to go online and tell people if you're annoyed with me then i will give you money back and some people said i had to explain this to my kids and then I stopped doing big arenas, home improvement, movies, books, all that stuff. I got off the road for probably five years and then decided to go back on it. As I talked to a couple other comedians, it's not quite as easy as it sounds to go back. And as I went back, I felt like when I saw Rod Stewart, you really don't want to see Rod Stewart do anything but Maggie May. 
And when I went back on stage after years, it might've been more than six or seven years, everybody wanted to see the same grunting and I'd already finished home improvement and I just didn't feel like doing that. I can talk about doing that, but I wanted to move on. And it took literally three, three good years struggling with the first one to even get 30 minutes of new material at the same pace I did the other one. And luckily, with some great help from uh, one of my old comedy writers, Kim Flagg, who's still with me, we just reformulated and Messina, my manager, we all put the, uh, the way they do is they come and watch me work out and take all that out. That's too old. This is too new. And after some struggle, I got my stand up back. And now it's as much as I want to go out. I mostly compete with Leno. I can't believe how much Jay goes out. It's He's gone all the time. I don't... I, it's not about money. It's about, I love what Pryor did to me and I can do to audiences that you have for 50 minutes. I do. This is an old philosophical argument. I think it's Wigenstein. If I got his name right, anybody knows that he's a, a language philosopher that comes under the conclusion we don't really know what anybody says. What the meaning to them is the same meaning to you. He gave up philosophy because he thought it's ridiculous. And then the other day, it was, it was like a month ago, I said, wait a minute. I happen to be in a, per, in a profession that I know the audience knows exactly what I mean because they're laughing exactly where I want them to laugh. That's right. So, so comedy completely broke all the rules to me. They, I may, they may not know exactly what I mean, but my God, they're laughing exactly where I would laugh at this. That means I link up and it, I'm, I don't like the road work. I don't, I'm still ironing my own clothes. I still have to take two suits and, you know, get the hotel rooms. That part is getting old. I've been doing it for 45 years. And I said, yeah, that part, I'm not as, yeah. I love getting on stage. I love walking out on stage. I love going, oh God, this, they're loving this. And if they love this, this is just the, the bunt to the home run coming. I just, I, I love it when they laugh at this one. Oh shit, wait till they see what's coming. And I, I love that feeling of what Pryor did to me to see people get, you know, they can't stop laughing. What a gift it is to be able to do that. And the residual, I get so much joy out of that. And I only say this, I'm, I know my agent's going to go, no, that it's the money is not, I'm not going to do it for free because that's not how things work. It would, the, the pay is, is the joy that I'm getting from the audience. Well, let me ask you something else. Are you going to do another special? Thought about it, really want to do, I don't even want to give it away because there's there's things I've never done in a special that I'd like to do. And I, that my only problem with it is it kind of burns up your material. And my material is very valuable to me. Once you do a special, then I can't really do that on stage that way anymore because I don't do men or pigs. I don't do any of that material, though I, I I feel like a Deadpool moment. I like, like to break the wall and go back and do some of those great bits. I talk about the grunt. I don't do it. And some of that material, you just said it. I was watching Men or Pigs just the opening 12, 15 minutes because I was, it came up on YouTube. Some of that stuff is really lucky, amateurish and also i had a gift for timing some of that stuff is really well timed timing and i wouldn't perfect, mind yeah. doing my own act again a funny bit rich jenny who, who passed away we both 
were on the road at the same time. We switched acts one night. And it's an it's a indication of how well crafted it is. He could do my act pretty much other than the grunt, and I could do his act, which is brilliant, up to a certain point. And I said, I wonder if I could do it would be a funny bit where you do they cover bands where I'd get up on stage and go, I'm gonna do a little Jim Gaffigan, followed by some prior, and I want to finish up some Jerry Seinfeld. I hope you enjoy it. Then just do have comics do other comics material. That's really and see if it's possible to do it. That's I'm funny. not doing that. I said no. No. Well, but so you think if you did the 50 minutes that you're doing now on the road, you couldn't do it anymore? If you put a special I don't out know. That? What's happening now, which is 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 wonderful, is I've now got I I have a timer light. So I I like most like Vegas wants you to do 58 minutes. I mean, that's what they do. And then I've now got so my I've been stretching my opening, which is current events and whatever's on my mind, because I'm lucky enough. Sobriety has given me the confidence that I'm funny without alcohol and drugs. And it's taken 26 years to really realize that. So I now just riff. And all of a sudden I'm 58 minutes into my time and I'm only halfway through my act. So I sent, I literally have two specials. I could do a, a 50 minute special. I would, I'd like to do it. And then I'd like to add some really weird uh, there. In college, I was a huge fan still of Laurie Anderson, the performance artist. And she always had a big video behind her. That's how she played with all this stuff. And I, in college, I was so amazed by her. And I said, I'd love to do that where it's, it is my comedy, but I'm also re referring to the actual event. And I thought about it be a different way to do comedy. The difficulty is Pryor's sense of timing, which I absorbed, don't copy it because it's his, is, is the pace. In order to refer to a video, it would be very, very yes. challenging to keep. I like rock and roll comedy. I don't like any breath. I don't like any space. I don't, right. I don't go get a drink of water. It is freaking rock and roll. Bang, bang, bang. Good night. Right, right. Yeah, no, I do. I love it when you're on a roll and you just go. And I, I, uh, last week I had this guy who I really think you should check him out. This kid, Jeffrey Asmus. He's, he's brand new. He's a young kid. He's 30 something. And he just put his first special up, but he just boom, boom, boom. He just throws slings jokes one after the next. And he's really decadent, you know, but, and, and I, I like that. I just like, you know, and I think you're right. You know, you put up a video and that's going to slow you down, but it's a different thing, you know? You know, I always thought it would be funny. Uh, I'm giving away too much. I would be. I've always thought it'd be funny to completely disrupt your comedy acts with a huge dance number that I'm included in, for no reason, just non sequiturs. Just right in the middle. I did a one for a comedy awards thing. I didn't sell it because I was uncomfortable dancing with this whole troop of tuxedo guys that lifted me up. And if I sold that, it would be weird to just break up the comedy act. And then just the, the dance number ends and you go, okay, thanks guys. And then just right back doing comedy. It just completely. Well, I'll tell you, I just opened for Sandler. I, we, we were actually, we played Detroit. We played the, um, the, the uh, little Caesars arena. And he, he does that. He, he really breaks it up with shit up on the, the screens and he sings songs and, and, um, but, but he does it in a way that, 
his pace is so natural and organic to him right. that he it's so it's of him, you know, and he sh- does the Chris Farley song and he's, he's so he's just he's such his own guy, you know, that. But I, I really feel like you can do that if if you just decide that's coming from you, you know, it's just you can't do it if it's not just totally organic. Right. And I said, the smart ass in me just likes to uh, mess things up. It's like I do, I break up my own act. Like I, I'll, I'll go with my nephews to see superhero movies and eventually everybody tells me to stop. I do a whole routine about it. That I'm, my family's interrupts people all the time, interrupted people at church, the sermon, they go, hey, now, come on. And it, to interrupt your own act to break the wall a la Deadpool is an interesting idea to me. And I said, the reason I, I, I out of nowhere now, I'm stealing Gaffigan who, who did a whole piece. I don't know what it was. He started making, when he does that high voice, he all of a sudden was wondering why he's doing the high voice. He goes, why am I even doing this? And it was, <laughs> it, it, the, it's, it's hysterical to me. And I've done it before where I said, I'm, I'm mimicking the conversation I'm having in my head ahead of time. And I said, uh, doing a special, I, I just, I, I, I got a, a Netflix offer a long time ago. I did the Ryman Theater, which is a life-changing experience in Nashville, based on who played that room. And I, I rocked that room. It's just, it was, I was on cloud nine and Netflix, but they own your material. It's a little spooky, you know. Well, not the- anymore. That, they've changed that. It still changed. goes on to streaming and I don't know where it goes. And I have a, it changed, they changed their whole structure. They pay less and you get it back after a year. Yeah, and they what they did is, without being um, sour grapes, they paid so less that I said, you just see, you saw me sell out the Ryman many times and I rocked it. And the guy acted like I just came up with that. It was really <laughs> weird. It's just what you're saying. You know, I did the one of the first successful um sitcoms based on or uh, stand-up things on showtime and he was unaware of all that and i said it's it's partially kind of this weird thing that you bring up that it's and i don't like and i'm not comfortable blowing my own horn that said that showtime special is very well produced very well directed and it's very funny and people know about it the art form aficionados don't know about it it was kind of weird and it wasn't a a pathetic well, offer. The guy you're weird. talking about is not the art form aficionado, believe me. Well, it, but it was just weird that it, the, the offer was so subtle. I'm trying to be uh, nice about it that I went, you, "You're kidding, right?" It, they came up with as though I just started doing comedy, and it was weird. And it was a well. In, the, in their defense, you got out of comedy for a long time at the point where that comedy kind of got hot again and they got they got hot you know and you're you know listen i know i got out of comedy for years you know and then when you start again you you know but you're now so full bore into it now and so selling out everywhere you go you know i think it i think it'd be great for you to do a special i don't think it has to be netflix you know no i i would like to do it just to produce another special i yeah. i love producing those specials i love setting up the artwork and the cameras and the direct doing what i can and then doing my job i love both parts of that 
And I said, I've got ideas about it. I've written them down. It's funny that I'm doing this right now is writing up due to the, I don't even know if we're allowed, if I'm, am I allowed to write? Cause it's the writer's strike. I'm not sure. Yeah, Comedy sure. doesn't have really any agents. No. I, I, we, we've you never had your a, act. No, you we've never had a union. Act. No, you can write for your act. You know, I'm not, I'm not writing Mike. You can write for your act. I'm going to steal it anyway, so it doesn't matter. Uh, you know, it's really funny. You know, that, that great joke that that uh, uh, Fraser does about football. Yes. He, he has this great joke, and he, I told him, I love that joke. He goes, yeah, Tim loves it, too. I go, yeah, I know. Tim told me he loves it. He, go, he goes, I go, well, don't give it to Tim. Give it to me. He goes, I'm giving it to anyone. I'm giving it to Tim. Yeah. About the women refs. Yeah, yeah. All right, listen, man. I love you. And I, I'm going to show some pieces of, of, of that Men Are Pigs on this episode. And uh, I, I've written about that that special a lot. And I just, I think it's one of the best. of It's, it's in my, easy, my top 10, top five of the best specials all time, you know. And I think it's, uh, I, I just... I urge people, if you're watching this and you see this, go and check that special out. It's on YouTube, right? I think so. I it, to be honest with you, I don't even know. And of course, it, it, there's no nothing in it for me at this point. I don't know. I don't know how that works. It's on it's, YouTube. Yeah. It's, it's we on don't YouTube. have any union, or we don't have any way to. Uh, we we're burlesque. I think that was the last union comics had. No, there's no one yeah. protecting us. People could steal our material. It's, it's a pretty pathetic thing. We don't, you can get it on YouTube. You can find it and uh, the, you can get it on DVD, but it's on, it's on YouTube. You can find it and, and get it. It's, there's a lot of great pieces in there. So check it out. And Tim, I really appreciate you coming on you. Thanks Mike. You know how much I love you and love um, you too, man. You're a good man. Be one funny. Ever. I'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Thanks. Bud. Thanks. All right. There's my buddy, Tim Allen. Go see him live. If you get a chance, you will, I promise you, you will not regret it. He puts on a hell of a show. This guy, he whines and complains about everything, but he loves what he does. And he loves his fans. I'll tell you, every time I'm with them at a club or a restaurant, you just got to stand there while he gets mobbed by people that want his autograph and have albums and every and pick things. But he does it, and he's so nice about it. But people loved him. And he loves, he is, he will, won't admit it. He loves his fans, but what he loves being a great comedian and and you see that when you watch him perform he really gives it up for his show and he's great he's a great comic you know and i it's really true my son my son i loved the way my son finally saw it he just turned me he goes dad he is so funny i go yeah duh you know or really anyway that's it that's episode 33. We got a great guest next week. I'm not going to tell you who it is because I want to surprise you, but it's a great show next week. You can get us on Twitter 
on Apple, on Spotify, on Stand Up World, on my Substack, and on my neighbor's garage, of course. We flash it all night long, nonstop, on a loop, just to wake the fucker up. Have a great week. I love you. Thank you so much for your support.